0: Taking the time within the last three weeks, we've been, in, we've been watching movies from or clips from the movie Courageous. I'm hoping you, you've taken the time to sit down and watch or at least reflect on what that movie means. I sat down for a little bit yesterday and I'm telling you, I, you, can, you can be the strongest, biggest, baddest dad. And when you can concentrate on, on the focus of those dads and what happens in that movie... It's very, very emotional. Very, very emotional. Especially emotional for me. I have two daughters. And if I'm not going to spoil anything. I told you I wasn't going to spoil anything. But there's a tragedy that happens. And I, I just... I can't get over that. I couldn't get over the things that I would think about this week. Whether it be about my dad, uh, my adoptive... I don't know about you, but I have several adopted dads... Sometimes I wasn't always at my house and I would go over to my friend's house and I had like adopted dads and I have like uncles that I send Father's Day cards to and I'm a very, very blessed person. But as I, as I looked at what we're going to talk about today, we're going to be in the, in the very first book of the Bible in the third chapter and I know some of you, if you're familiar with this, you're going to go, oh, we're going to start out Father's Day by, by talking about what Eve did in the garden. No, <laughs> no, I'm not. Actually, we are going to start there, but we're not going to end there. How about that? But I want to say this. My name is Matt, and I'm very happy to see you at Connection today. This church is seeing things happen because people are choosing to do what we're going to talk about today. There are men that are standing up. Now listen, it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, by the way. And I'm not going to concentrate on just the dads, because in this world, there are spiritual leaders of the house Because the dad is not home, maybe it's mom. And maybe it's these others, and we're going to call out dad today. Ooh. Man, Matt, that may not be any fun. You should have been in my house studying like I was. I told somebody today, and they they often talked to me, they said, so, how was your studying this week? It felt like sometimes, you know, sometimes God kind of shakes you and gets your attention. I told them this week it felt like God was swinging like a 16-pound sledgehammer at me. Say, Matt, you're going to call these guys to do this. You better make sure, you better make sure, make sure that you're trying to do the same thing. We've been talking three weeks now. We're going to be talking one more. The first one was God's courageous call on our life. Last Sunday was our courageous call to lead. Today, it's the courageous call to be the man. Now I told you last week, we were not going to talk about Ric Flair. And be the man, okay? To be the man, you've got to beat the man. I'm a fan of old wrestling, and maybe I don't know much about the new stuff, but we're not going to go there. But living a courageous life, God's courageous call, and today, men, like no other time in the history of this world, should we be called out to embrace what God has made us to be, who He's shown us and given examples to us for us to follow, and who we should be for Him. How strong we should be. See, when you talk about the spiritual role of dad, it goes away from biceps and quads. It's not how much you can binge, but how well you can kneel. I learned another lesson from my four-year-old yesterday. I think sometimes she should write a devotion for all of us. But I learned another lesson from her. She was a little bit tired last night, and I laid her down to sleep. I said, "Lydia." She goes, "Dad, would you pray with me?" Yeah, sure will. And she was really, really tired. And she said, "I want you to pray first." So I prayed, and then I said, "Okay, it's your turn." And she, man, she had been to a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle birthday party yesterday. My nieces are turning two or three. It's a big day. Been playing, no nap. If you have kids, you understand. The only thing out of her mouth she uttered was this. Dear God, thank you. That's it. Just thank you. Just thank you. And I walked out of her room as she was just log asleep like that. As I walked into the living room to watch some TV with my wife, I thought to myself, I need to learn to just be thankful in all things. Give thanks is what the Bible says, in all things. Now, I know a lot of you aren't emotional guys. So I've got a portion of the sermon that's just for you. You know who you are. You're the rough, tough, guys that can smash your hand with a hammer. You might think something, but you don't say it out loud kind of guy. And you can get, you know, you can be bleeding profusely. And your wife says, you need to go to the hospital and you go, no, nah, I just need a thing of gauze and some duct tape. <laughs> now these these are the guys, these are the guys that we're gonna go here for. So here, here's the deal. <laughs> Evidently there are people that actually use gauze and duct tape. I know I know there are people with EMT training in here this morning. Please don't flip out on us. Maybe you can give a class after this about how to take care of that wound. And also, I don't care how big a guy you are, if you have one of those gashes and you pour alcohol in it, I don't care who's watching, you're going to blow on it. Don't care. <laughs> I did yesterday. I had a splinter in my, in my finger and I said, I'll put some alcohol on it. And I'm like, oof. <laughs> here's, the, here's one of the most manly stories that I can ever tell you that happened to me. Are you ready for this? Whew. June 7th, 2007. 10 hours drive north of the Montana border into northeastern Saskatchewan, Canada. That's men country. (laughs) I was bear hunting. And our guide, named Mike and Aaron, it was his wife, Mike comes, we had just got done fishing in the morning and you bear hunt in the afternoon and I was sitting there eating my afternoon, and I know that some of you don't like fish, but I was eating my afternoon lunch of walleye and northern pike and hush puppies. Wow. And I was interrupted by Mike coming f- flying through the door. Matt, you have got to get done eating. You gotta get your camouflage on. You gotta get your bow and you gotta go with me right now. Okay. Now I'm up there I'm up there to hunt bears. It's Thursday. Okay, it's a Thursday. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I'd been bear hunting and I'd seen lots of bears, but not. You know, not the guy bear that you want to bring home, right? You want to bring home the big guy. And Mike, my guy, wanted me to shoot a nice one too. And he comes flying in. And he said, I mean, he almost knocks fish out of my mouth and said, Listen, dude, we got to go right now. As I'm getting ready, he's speaking about 700 miles an hour. You know, one of these people. And he says, I just went to one of the sites where we bear hunt that I'm going to put you tonight. And I saw one of the biggest sets of bear tracks I've ever seen in my entire life. This guy was raised around bears, by the way. Raised around. He said, I've seen the biggest set of bear tracks I have ever seen. You've got to get your stuff on and we got to go right now. We get all the way out there. I don't know if you've ever been to Canada, but bugs will carry you away literally. And I had one of these things called a thermosel. Mike forgot his, and he said, "Dude, I can't. I can't sit out here in this. They, I will, I'll be sick from all the bites." And I said, "Okay." I said, "But I don't want to shoot the wrong one." I said, "I want to shoot that big one." He said, "Man, I'm going to tell you something. If the bear comes in that made those tracks, you're going to know." I said, "Man, I don't want to shoot the wrong. I don't want to shoot the wrong one." I want to shoot the big. I want to shoot the big one. He said, "Matt, if the bear comes in that made those tracks, you're going to know right off the bat." Later that evening, I had the privilege of shooting that bear, and he's in our house. If you ever like to stop by and see Fred, yes, we name our animals. He was seven foot three, four hundred and fifty pounds, and he has over six inch pads on his front feet. You know the crazy thing? Mike, nor myself, nor anybody there, would have known that he had even been in that area had it not been for his tracks. Now, I want to tell you something. Whether you you go bear hunting or whether you think that I need a, a, a clinical examination on my head if I do that, I'll leave that up to you, but here's the deal. You have to realize today, look at your worship handout with me. Look at your worship handout with me. Flip to the middle middle section. There's going to be some blanks here. Look at the very first one. Regardless of what you think about bear hunting, watch this. Whether you are aware of it or not, you leave tracks wherever you go. Now think about that. You leave tracks wherever, 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 wherever you go. And let me tell you a couple a couple spots that we may take tracks, we may leave tracks, and we may not want to, and we may want to. Look at the next thing on your worship handout. We're just gonna knock out two of these real quick. Look at this first one. The tracks are evidence in our life. Number one, sometimes a person's tracks reveal that serving and being unselfish is what a person does. Now think about this. If you're someone that is choosing to be the man that God has chosen you to be, and you serve. And we have a lot of great men in this church. We have a lot of great women. And we have a lot of great people in this church. And people that give a lot. And just when I think, man, I don't know if I need to ask them to do this, they just volunteer and do more. I don't get it. Other than the fact is that you are serving and being unselfish and doing what God wants you to do. I can't tell you how many people I have had come up to me, Matt, if you need something, just give me a call. And you know what? They don't just say that. They're serious. So when I look at them, or I see something in this church, and I, walk, and I walk by that thing, I see tracks. Oh, man. And they're cool memories, aren't they? When you walk by something, man, you remember that? And oftentimes you can reflect back to things in your life where you look through pictures, and you see, oh, wow. Look at the tracks that I, man, I'm not there right now, am I? It's, it's, it's a call back to yourself. If God's getting your attention. He says, listen, I want you to be the man. But right here, a person's tracks reveal that serving and being unselfish is what a person does. This is only, this is, this is only applicable to serving and being unselfish. Is someone that's going to put their self in God's path and say, I want to do what you want me to do. And too often, we guys... Tim, we, guys I'll put myself with you, okay? I'm not going to be a pastor that speaks down. I'll, I'll include myself with you. I'll be the first in line for a lot of stuff. But we guys, we have a passive problem. If it, if it calls for us to be, maybe have conflict with something, maybe to make a decision or to do something, too often we say, oh, somebody else can handle that. We'll be codependent and we'll just back up from it. The guy's not calling you to be timid, by the way. He called you to be a man. He called you to stand up and protect your family. He called you to provide for your family. He called for you to serve His church and His people, and most above everything else, Him. Look at number two. Other times, this is a second type of person. Other times, a person's tracks reveal a refusal to be involved and in an unwillingness to change. I'm going I'm to make... I'm going to make a statement here, and I'm pretty sure that I'm, I'm, I can be pretty correct in this, in this statement. Everyone in this room, every single person, some of you I know very, very closely, some of you I do not know very closely, but I'm going to take an overall statement here. Everyone in this room have tracks and impressions on their life that was left there by someone else. And they can be one of two kinds. They can be good. Maybe there are good tracks that may have taught us great lessons about God. I can, see those, I can see those in my life. I can see the men, not only just my dad, but people that put into my life that mentored me, that changed the way that I thought. They allowed, I allowed God to use them to change me. And I can see those tracks. And oftentimes I'm reminded of those tracks. You know what? If somebody has shown you a better path in this life, you're often more likely to take that when you come up to that next time. If they've shown you a better way, or, some of these tracks might have caused a lot of hurt in our life. See, you can, you, can, you can serve God or you can refuse to serve God. Some of the tracks are good, some of the tracks are bad, but regardless, wherever you are, wherever you go, whatever you do, you're leaving tracks. You're leaving a path. Now think about this. If you could stop in your track right now and you could do 180 degrees and you could look back at your path, is it something that you want your kids to follow? That's one of the hardest questions I asked myself this week. Do I want my kids to follow where I go? Do I want my kids to follow in how I serve? So I prayed this week. I'm going to ask you to pray later in this service, if you, if you will. But I prayed this week. and said, God, I'm so glad that you don't keep score of my past and I just want to tell you that I'm sorry and I want from right now on, right now on. See, God, you can, you can do this all the time. This is the cool thing about God. God, from right now, I messed up, okay, from, from now on. Maybe I am refusing a little bit of stuff. I need to serve you more. I need to do more. I need to do this. I need to do this. But God, I want my, I prayed this week, I said, God, I want my path to be not something that my kids can't see where I go. I want my kids to have torches alongside the road. That they can, when it's dark outside, they can follow it. When there's lights on it, they can go. I want to step, God. I said, God, I want them to be able use a little bit of humor. I said, God, I want you to use my size 14 feet. So my young girls that wear little bitty shoes have no problem stepping where I step. God, I want my tracks to lead to you. So often it's easy to not do anything. We think confrontation is a bad thing. Listen, it's not always. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3. And yes, we are going to start. If you know anything about Genesis chapter 3, this is where the first sin happened in the entire world, in the Garden of Eden. And some of you are going to think that we're going to start out talking about Eve. Actually, we're going to go a little bit before that. Look at at chapter 3. If you have... Your Bible's in Genesis chapter 3 or it's going to be on the screen here with you so you can see. I'm going to be reading out of a different a New Living Translation. It's a little bit easier to understand. Look with me at verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord has made. Shrewdest. The serpent in Genesis chapter 3, if you look in Revelations 12 9, serpent is identified as Satan or the devil. That's how we know who he is. And he was the shrewdest. He was the slyest of the tricksters. Think about this. We had a, when Mary and I led our, led our youth, we did this. We did a really cool experiment. We gave, we gave all the youth a piece of paper. Now, we, can, we kind of set them up for this. We had crayons right beside there. Mostly they were red and black. And we said, we want you to draw pictures of Satan. Uh, You know what we got, didn't you? We got like the nine foot two muscly guy, horns, pitchfork, forked tail or forked tongue, great big long tail with a spike on it. We got that. And they said, "They said, well, you draw a picture of Satan." And I took a yellow crayon and a black crayon, and with the black crayon I made a circle, and with the yellow crayon I made two eyes and a smiley face. What? That's not Satan. That would remind us of God. I said, "Here's the deal." If everything that Satan wanted you to do looked like that, you would never do it. See, the Bible says um, that everything is good. Ecclesiastes, Solomon tells us that everything is fun, everything is, is, is okay for a season. And the serpent... I try to justify my dislike for snakes because Satan was one in the garden. I can see snakes all day. If they surprise me, not a good day. It's just not. I may not look like it, you have no idea how fast I can be. Gone. But he was the shrewdest, he was the slyest. A lot of times we want to think, oh, he's just a cartoon person that we drew on the paper. Let me tell you something. If you have kids and you've watched Dora, and you see Swiper, we're not talking about a cartoon cartoon person. We're talking about someone that doesn't just mess up kids on their way to go somewhere in a TV show. We're talking about a serpent, a person, a spirit, a body, an embodiment a being that the Bible says doesn't want to just mislead us. It says he wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy our family. Think about it. You just, just look around at this world and tell me if he's doing an okay job. He's the prince of this world. The Bible tells us that. In the end, if you read the end of the book that we win, by the way, In the end, it says that all people, everybody, all things will bow down and say that God is who He says He is. He's biding time. But while He's biding time, He is in the business of making your life bad. Bad. We don't don't think, oh, no, He's not. Listen, He goes into a perfect world. It's perfect. And look what He does. He goes on, the, the, the rest of that verse says, One day He asked the woman... Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now I'm going to take a stab and say you don't know very many people that talk like this, do you? If you have people in your life that talk to you exactly like this, oftentimes you go, what would you say? You didn't, thought, you didn't think that she thought she knew what she said before she had already told me? See, we don't talk like this. Satan changes one word. He changes one word. He changes any instead of one. Any. One word. One time somebody cuts you off and you're having a bad day. One time the things don't go right. One little mess up. Look, he goes on in verse two. Of course, this is Eve. Now she's confident, isn't she? Of course. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden the woman replied verse 3 says this it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat now she calls him out she tells him what's up right the confidence she said no 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 we can eat from all these trees just not the one in the middle pretty plain and she adds on god said god you must or god said you must not eat it or even touch it she even adds this she even says don't touch it don't touch it If you do, you will die. Hmm. Does this lie that Satan just asked her, told her, sound familiar? Guys, it doesn't matter if you just do it once. It doesn't matter if you do it this. I tell you what, if you want to get out of your comfort zone, and I'm not saying that Courageous is the end-all, be-all movies of all time, but I want you to take a second. YouTube this week. YouTube, when they talk about the resolution that they make. Just let those words resonate straight out of Scripture, what they, what they ask those men to do, what they tell that guy and God and their families, what they're going to do. Satan will try. He will try some of it. He's doing a good job on some of us. Check out this lie. Watch, look how sly this guy is. Now, verse 3, Eve is confident. No, you're wrong. We can eat of all the trees except one. Now watch this. Look at verse 4. Satan, the serpent. You won't die. Now, often, I often like to think that that uh, if you've seen the old Robin Hood cartoon, remember the snake? He sniffs th- the th- snakes like this. Not necessarily the way that he talks, but every time he says something, he slithers around. You know what, if... If I'm talking to someone and they can't hold still, if my daughters can't hold still when they're talking to me, chances are they're probably telling some form of a lie. If they can't look me in the eye, chances are they're not being truthful. So Satan, you won't die. Can you imagine where he'd, he'd he'd probably crawl up on her shoulder? You won't die. Come on. Do you see how beautiful you are? Do you see how handsome he is? Do you see this place? You're not going to die. You won't die. Go verse 5. He continues his lie. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Eve, you will not die. When you eat that fruit, you're going to be like God. God's withholding so much from you, and you don't know it. How many times have we thought that? The grass is greener, isn't it? Oh, man. Mary and I went and looked at a house yesterday. We just drove by it. I'm like, this is a pretty house. It's nice. I called the realtor. No answer. I got home. I got on the computer. It was a very quick search. When I found out the six-digit code on the left side of the decimal point, I was good. I'm like, oh, yeah, Nice house, not for us. (laughs) See, earlier in our life, we did this. Mary wanted a new car, so we bought a new car. And we learned, just save some money and buy one. It's a little bit older. See, Satan right here in verse 5 is saying, your eyes are going to be open. If you would just buy that, you're missing out, Matt. Do you know how fast that new bow shoots? Animals don't even know it's coming. Matt, do you, know, do you know what you could do if you bought this house? Matt, do you know what you could do if you bought 100 acres of ground? Just do it. It doesn't matter if it stretches you financially. And we think, and we look, and Satan keeps talking like this, and he's not just talking to the woman. He's talking to us today. He seeks to do this today. He says, no, 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 if you just do this, If you have struggles in this life, listen, you'll have more enjoyment if you drink this, smoke this, look at this. You'll have more enjoyment. He's setting you up. It's like the move when you're playing checkers, and you know if one person moves one spot, you can like quadruple jump them. And He is setting the table on you, and He just slides that out. And if you're not careful, you're going to take the bait. She goes from being confident. In verse 2, she said, of course we may eat of all the trees. There's only one that we can't. She's confident. She puts him in his place. This is why in our spiritual life, we don't always just have to have one verse of Scripture. Sometimes you need to lock and load against Satan. Okay, you need to flip the cover over on the 20 millimeter and let him have it. We have to say, no temptation." There's no temptation in my life that God will put in my life that I can't handle, 1 Corinthians 10.13. And if it becomes too much for me to handle, God's promises. 1 Corinthians 10.13 10, that he'll provide a way out for me. But I have to be careful if I think that I'm standing firm that I don't fall, 1 Corinthians 10.12. Sometimes you have to lock and load. You have to be a man. Oh, one time's good enough. No, it's not. You know, as well as I do, if you have an addiction in your life, if you struggle with something, depression, alcohol, pornography, I don't care what it is. Those things don't just go away. Yes, God is in the business of healing people. But as we've talked about before, sometimes God wants to use your spiritual, build your spiritual muscles of your faith and walk you through. Yeah, there's hope on the end, but you have to lock and load. You have to put on your uniform and you have to go to war. So many times he said, Oh, yeah. I don't like what they're doing. I'm just going to sit here and watch it anyway. Listen, this is your fight. If you think that your family is just going to get along well without you, you're wrong. You have to fight. If you want them to follow your footsteps, you've got to fight. So she goes from being convinced in verses two and three. Satan gives her two verses and moves into verse six. Look at this on the screen or in your Bibles. The woman was convinced. Underline in your Bible. If you have a pen, underline was convinced. Look at this. In four verses from when she was confident, she talked two of those. The next two, Satan just... And all of a sudden, she was convinced. Oh, well, sweet. If I'm going to be like God, then I want some. How quick I am convinced, we are convinced, how quickly those tables are turned. By the way, sometimes the battle that you are fighting, you have to fight on a very slick surface. It's not like you're in a stronghold, and you just get to shoot. Sometimes you have to play the offensive. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, underlined beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious. Beautiful and fruit looked delicious. Look at this. The woman was convinced. Oh, you're right. You think about this. You go to Cold Stone Creamery. Anybody ever been there? Oh, amen. See, this is the only way I get amens. Cold Stone Creamery. Amen. Okay, now, listen. I don't eat a lot of ice cream anymore. God has some kind of sick sense of humor in my stomach. doesn't like it anymore. But anyway, I really, really like orange sherbet. So if you go to, oh, how about the Custer stand? Woo, amen, hallelujah. Okay, now, you're going there. And you go in line and You think, well, I'm, I've been on this diet. I've been watching what I'm going to eat. I'm going to get a small. The person right in front of you comes out with this custard, this, this drink cone, and you're like, wow, I have to have one of those. And, you, and even somebody there that can say, oh, hey, I thought you, you, you kind of told me you were going to watch what you're eating. I'm just kind of trying to help you. You said you were going to get a small, maybe you can compromise, just get a medium this time, you don't need to get a large. And you think about that for about a half a second and go, no, I deserve this. Do you see this? And we're not talking about ice cream most of the time. I need this. I deserve this. I work hard for this. I have to do this. This is my thing. I get to do it. She was convinced. She saw the tree it was beautiful and it looked delicious. Listen, I don't think there's anything wrong. In fact, I think it might be a godly experience some of the time to get a frozen orange sherbet from the, from the custard stand. I think it's awesome. I got to, and I say godly because not because of the ice cream or the sherbet, because I got to share the gospel with someone because I had a dream cone in my hand. See, God can use everything, anything, anywhere. But it's that time that we're in line in this life, metaphorically. We're in line, and we say, oh, I need to get this small. Uh, Hello, can I take your order? Yeah, I want the biggest thing you got. (laughs) See, this this is the way that we are. Or sometimes it's, we get in line to get the biggest thing. God, I want the biggest thing you have for me. I want the biggest thing. And he says, okay, let me take your order. And you say, you know what? Will you just give me something about this big, something I can handle already, something that I already know, something I don't have to stretch my faith with? That's what we do. So we want big glorification of ourselves, But when it comes to God, we say, hey, do you have a child side Frosty? Please? I can't handle, I can't handle the, the large. I can't, you know as good as I, as I do that if it was a large ice cream cone, you'd be hammering it. And we say, God says, I have something big for you. You say, you know what? Not right now. Can I just have a small? It's one of the only times in our life where we, we, we choose the less because it, it, because it costs more. It looked delicious, she said. So she goes on. Look at this. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. Oh, don't we? She was like, ooh. I want to be like God. Now, this is, not, this is not playing like she wanted to have a stronger relationship with God. This is what she wanted to be God. Do you know that Christianity is the only religion in the entire world where the Creator died for the creation? It's getting ready to have to happen right here. It all starts a long time ago in this chapter. So, she did what? She took... The fruit, and she looked at it. Oh, I wish. However, she's already said not even to touch it. So she took the fruit, and she ate it. If we listen to Satan long enough, and if we are not, if we do not have our ammo on, if we listen to him long enough, we will start to believe the lies. How about this? Let me see if I, let me see if I touch any of those on your, on your life. I'm just going to share some ones from mine. Matt, you're inadequate. Are you really leading like God wants you to lead? The way that you pray. Don't you just sound like you're some kind of bigwig Pharisee in all your words? How can you, how can you be depressed about a situation when you're a pastor? You can't do that. feeling of loneliness? You can't do that. And if you believe the lies long enough, if you listen to them long enough, you're going to believe them. Maybe I'm not adequate. Maybe I'm not designed to lead. The bad thing is, I've seen this happen in my life. People have quit doing things because they believe the lie that Satan told them. You're not that good. you ever heard that one? One of the most crushing things I've ever saw in my entire life. As I watched a child involved with sports with a tremendous future ahead of them, like free college stuff. After the game, every day, that person was pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, and pushed, and pushed by mom and dad. You got to get a scholarship, you got to get a scholarship. They were vicariously living through that person. And they'd finish a the game and they were a pitcher. And this is from older, later, earlier in life, cases. Okay, you don't know these people. I would push, push, push. After the game, packing up my equipment, I would hear this. Oh, well, you only had 10 strikeouts. Really? There's a lot of people in the Hall of Fame that average 10 strikeouts a game. There's not that many people that average 10 strikeouts a game. You were only six for eight today. Listen, listen. Hitting 750 is not going to cut it. It's only 300 points higher than, you know, Ted Williams. He was an okay hitter, I guess. He's in the Hall of Fame. See, we we have these expectations. (laughs) And we think, oh, I have to live, I have to live. Listen, God does not, God is not non-understanding that you're a human. He's just asking that you get footsteps, follow his footsteps, and let your kids follow his footsteps. And right here, Eve says this. So she took some fruit and ate it. She goes, oh, this way's better. I'm just going to eat it. If she would have known the complications, if she would have known the pain of childbirth, if she would have known the other things, the, ban, the banishment from the Garden of Eden, if she would have known all of these things, would she have done it? You can toss that around your head. My opinion is, I think she would have. She was convinced. Look at verse 6. She was convinced. But it's going to cause this. How many times have you went ahead and done something, even though you knew the consequences? Guys. But today, but today is about dad, so we're not going to focus on Eve. When you believe these lies, when you believe this stuff that Satan's wanting to get at you, I, I believe this lie for a long time. I don't have anything wrong with, I don't have any, anything negative say about hunting except this one thing and it involves my life. Do you know how much time I spent away from her? Away from my family? Running around this country chasing a deer that had bigger antlers than the one that already is on my wall? I don't have any problem with that. If God sends you a nice deer or a big fish by your way, awesome, enjoy it. He gave us this playground to play in. But you don't understand my role as a dad. Wasn't Mary, I just need to go bow hunting. I need you to leave me alone. It should have been, hey, do we have anything going on? Now we eat it, okay? There, you sneak out and maybe shoot one. No, no. I was convinced that this deer would be the greatest thing in the world. Guess what? Do you know there's a lot of people, even in this church, that have killed a lot bigger deer than I have? There's people in this world, you, you think it's going to be the biggest forever? You think you're going to have the fastest car forever? See, this is what we believe. But I got a Father's Day card from my mom and dad. And my brother-in-law got one too. And they are superheroes. <laughs> so Eve in tr- Eve's in trouble. Dun-dun-dun. I love my card. Superman. Yes. I love Superman. Why? He's strong. I mean, do you know anybody that can stop a train? No. He can. And I'm like, Superman. Yeah. Awesome. So I thought, Hey. Here he comes to save the day. He's going to be the man. Now watch this. Look at 1 John 2.16 just on your your screen real quick. We don't have time to turn there. It says, For the the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. Oh. Oh. Mentioned anything about God in that first line? The world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements. I want a bigger deer. I want a faster car. I wanted a newer truck and our pride and our achievements and our possessions. I want a bigger house. Listen, I would love, I would love to buy that house for my wife. I would. And it's not for the physical thing of the, of the house being bigger, or house being nice. We would need a little bit more room so we can have more people over and hang out. See, we're going to use this as a ministry. And I, I know some of you are like, oh, no, you just want it for that. Listen, you don't know me. Come and talk to me. Come and hang out with me. Understand that it's not about that anymore. But so often I said, oh, I want this, and I want this, and i got to have this, and i got to have this. And can you understand the sacrifices that you made in your life? Listen, cut that path off and start a new one. Look at what the rest of it says. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. Craving of the eyes, flesh, pride. So in Genesis 3, 6, we left Eve in the garden. And we went to see First John and say, oh, only the world. There's nothing to do with God. Let's, look, these are not from the Father. These things are not from God. He says, I just want you to follow me and love me above all else. So Adam gets to be Superman, flying in. I don't know if he can fly or not. Comes right to the rescue. Look, at, look on the screen. We, go, we jump back to Genesis 3, 6, the second half. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. For those of us guys that like to even have fun or make fun of, well, Eve ate the fruit first. The Bible tells us that. I want you to underline four words. Who was with her in your Bible? This is a stronger call than when Eve made a mistake. He said, Guy, I put you in her life to be the superhero you should have told her. Oh, wait a minute. He didn't just tell her. He wanted to be non confrontational, no conflict. I just want to follow everything. If we're going to get knowledge, that's good. And he says, He ate it too. Satan is standing in front of Adam and Eve and he is lying about the God in heaven that spoke them into existence and create, and, he, and created. He, he spoke the world and he created them. He's talking. Satan is talking lies about that and they won't stand up. He did one of the most insane things ever. He did absolutely nothing. Look at your worship handout on the next, on the next blank. Adam stood by and did nothing while Satan lied about God. These tracks that he made... They still affect you and I. How many people have a sin problem? Good. I don't want you to raise your hand. That's everyone. The tracks were started right then. They affect us today. Adam stood by and did nothing. He let himself and he let his wife be deceived. He knew what God wanted, yet... Do you think Adam knew the rule? There's one. There's one. Do not eat... don't know if they did maybe they put a sign do not eat (laughs) it's only around one it's only one tree how often in your life is that the only one you want to pick from though oh i just want that i just want that one of the worst things a person can do is nothing i'm going to give you some things to think about we leave tracks by what we do or what we do not do we can choose to stand up or we can choose to sit down Eve left tracks that have impact on our lives, ladies. Adam left tracks that have impact on our lives, men and women. Here's the story today. You, right now, have spiritual feet that you're walking in and out of this world with and around this world with. Choose your tracks wisely. Listen, I know. I had to study this all week. Some of you are thinking, oh, this is pretty sharp. Listen, I had to study this all week. I had to share it with someone sharp. These tracks still affect us today. Let me ask you these questions. With all the terrible sin that is happening in our world, what are you doing? Nothing. What can I do? What are you doing in God's church and God's people? Nothing. What can I do? I'm old. I'm young. I'm tall. I'm short. We'll do anything. I can't give blood. I wear a size 14 shoes. We'll do that. We'll just make these random things. Oh, I can. Mm-hmm. Busy. When others are giving their time, effort, and sweat, what are you doing? Nothing. I don't have time. And I'll share you a, a scary thing that was taught to me one time. You have all the time in the world to do the things that you want to do. You have all the time in the world to do the things that you want to do. God is calling you to have a relationship with His Son because your tracks matter. They matter. Think about it. Think about if your kids had to walk down the same path, take the same tracks that you did. Listen, you can start today. Start over today. Follow God. Make, let Him show you where to step. We shift over to the New Testament. I want to show you something, what Paul wrote in Romans. Go to uh, chapter 5, verse 12. We're going to read a couple verses. It's going to be on the screen. If you want to, just mark down Romans 5, 12 through 21. You can go check that out later. But look at this. Look at verse 12. This is Paul writing about Adam and, Jesus, and the sin in the garden. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Broke. The machine shattered. The cogs missed pieces. The cogs are missing the spines. They're missing a whole bunch of stuff. It doesn't work right. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. His tracks affected those behind him. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because they were not yet any law to break. Verse 14. Still everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. Can you see? I want you to see the difference. This was... This was Adam, you're responsible for sin coming into this world. This is not good. This is a story you do not want to be in. But Paul goes on and he said, look at these wonderful words that he says. Look at verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Oh, man. You know what the cool thing is? Being a follower of Christ. You know what a cool thing is being a human today? Do Do you know what it is? It's that lady that saw me do that wedding over at college, if you remember that sermon. She said, I cannot believe you're a pastor. I knew you in college. And I wasn't being sarcastic, I promise. I literally turned to her and I said, aren't you interested in what I've been doing? No, I'm not interested in that. I knew you from college. She was Man, she was condemning. <laughs> yeah, I messed up. I did things I shouldn't do. And I backed up from that conversation and I said, listen, the God that I serve, forgave me for my past. And I don't have to be defined by it. Because God's consi- God wants to know what I'm going to do from here now and on. I've got to give good tracks for my girls and my wife and my, and my church to follow. I've got I've to lead. I'm not defined by my past. He goes on, For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. This is where the hope comes in. So many years after Adam after Adam had made that, that first sin, Jesus in physical form comes to pay for that price. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. How about this? People say... I can't come to connection. If you knew anything that I've done, you wouldn't let me in. And I would say this, if you knew half the stuff of some of our people, including myself, you wouldn't have to worry about your stuff. Come in and have a seat. Do you want some coffee or popcorn? We are not, absolutely not interested in what you have done or have been. But we are highly interested in what God wants to do in your life to transform you into a new person by changing the way that we think. New How how nice, how refreshing is that word? Can you imagine? New. Man, a brand new golf ball just comes right off that club. A brand new baseball smells so good. Brand new cut on your lawn, you smell that grass? Brand new freshly plowed dirt smells so good. God wants to make your life brand new. He wants to till it all and say, okay, now let's make some tracks. Adam's Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. See, yeah, there's sin, yes, there's stuff. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of sermons that could be made this way. There's a lot of stuff, but Jesus. But God. This week I was listening to the radio and I heard, Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. By the time the end of the song was up, I don't know what level my volume was on, but it was high, like all the way over here. And I was like drumming everything. I was like, ooh, I can't play the drums, but I can, I can play them in my truck. And I was so thankful that when Jesus came, look, it says He triumphed over sin and death because God raised him back from the dead. He said, oh no, death is the biggest thing. It's the biggest hurdle that you humans have to deal with. Watch this, I'm God. Death doesn't matter to me. I'm going to bring my son back because he can conquer death and he's paid for your sin. Now you put your trust in him. Have a relationship with him. Yes, Adam's sin in 18. Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness, one time. He died one time. Why? Why one time? Because it was enough. It was enough. To bring a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person disobeyed God, many, or I'm sorry, obeyed God, many were made righteous. Think about this. Adam's one sin causes the world, causes the rest of history to be messed up until Jesus comes back. And one time, Jesus did it one time. Why? Because he was perfect. He was absolutely error free. There was no sin. He was put to death. God raised him from the dead. He conquered death. He conquered sin. He paid for your stuff. All of it. I don't care how black, I don't know how black his sins are. I don't care how red the sin is. I don't care. He did it one time because it was enough. So many can be made righteous. Verse 20, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. How about that? Does your grace become more abundant the more times somebody does something wrong against you? Do you understand how this does not make human sense? The, 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 we keep messing up, and God says, I'm still here. But God, I, I messed up again. I'm still here. But God, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. Why are you still here? I want you, to, I, want you, I want you to make these good tracks. I'm still here. I want to work with you. Let's go. Look, in, look at verse 21. So just as sin ruled over all the people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ. You know, I thought about this and I studied about this and I and I and I read and I know I know I, I read a lot of script. It's important. If you have Romans in your, in, your, in your worship handout, these these verses right here, just circle this. Go back and read that this week. If you're having a downtime, read these verses. Take some time. Read one a day. Read one a day. If you have a study Bible, read that, read that verse in scripture. Then look down below. Look what it says about it. Look what God can teach you about yourself. He says Matt, you, whatever your name is, I don't care. I don't care. I've never left you. I'm not going to leave you. That's it. I'm here for you. I want you to make these steps. But sometimes, Matt, you have to be a man. I did not create you to be timid. I did not create you to just lay back and be passive when something goes on with your family, when there's stuff that comes at your family. You're called to protect them. Now God uses this. He goes, you kill bears with a bow. People aren't that big of a deal. Protect her. Protect your family. Not protecting them from harm. Protect them from spiritual warfare. Protect them by showing them how to live, how to lead their life. They can follow me. Do you know how difficult and how strong our calling is to be a man? God says, I want you to stand in front of your family. With them behind you, and I want you to step, so that they can step safely. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. In this life, in this world, doesn't make it any easier. Somebody told me today, "You think it'll ever get better?" I said, "No, I think it's going to keep getting worse." We have to stand up. There's two categories of people under in this world; those that are under Adam. Oh, that we receive the sin. We've done the sin. Condemnation. We feel worthless, don't you? Ever felt that feeling? Disobedient. Refusal to do what God wants. And you're born, you live a physical life, and you die. Or, there are those that are under Jesus. We receive His sinlessness. Sinlessness. His payment for our sin. We're forgiven of our sin. We understand that it was worth, we are worth Christ dying for us. Sometimes that's a hard one to, to say. We're obedient by doing what God says. And we seek to live a godly life by having a relationship with Christ. So we seek these things. It's a courageous call to be a man, it's not easy. It's not easy. I know, some of you want to come in and say, Matt, do you have this secret formula? Here, just take this, call me in the morning, you're good. Listen, it's not that easy. God says, guys, men, young boys, women, everybody followers of me. Listen, I've called you to live lives that are not normal. I've called you to live lives, guys, that we can walk in front of our family and they can follow us. And I don't care where you work. That is one of the hardest things ever that's been assigned to me. Ever. Walk in a way that your family can follow. Be the man that I've created you to be. Being the man. Everybody, every guy that I talk to, most guys want to be big and they want to be strong. Man, I squat 600. Wow, awesome. Watch your knees. They all want to have this big muscle, this big, this big frame. They want to be able to take care of everything physically. God says this. I want you to be so strong spiritually that you can take steps and your family can just follow you. That takes a whole other kind of strength. That takes dying to yourself every day. God, make me a better dad. Show me something that I can work on. Every day, God, show me something that I can work on. I know my anger wasn't good today. I'm sorry. go to my wife, I'm sorry for getting upset. So guys aren't good at doing that. Guys aren't good at going and saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Some of you guys are amazed that it can come out of a man's mouth. I was wrong. I hurt you. I'm sorry. We're called to love God. We're called to teach our family about God. We are called, as men and followers, we are called to love all people. To be the ones who lead our family in their relationship with God. Men, who of you? Who of you will say today, maybe for the first time, maybe I haven't been living it, but today, I want to be the man of God that God's called me to be. I want to start that journey. I I need this to go away. I need to start fresh. Guess what? God's in that business. Oh, I spent 10 years, it's too long. No, it's not. You're still breathing. I know of relationships that have been restored over 30 years of non-communication have been completely restored. Why? Because God is who He says He is. He's a big deal. But it didn't didn't happen until someone started saying, I'll be the man. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'd rather have a relationship than be right. Will you be the man God created you to, to be? If this is you today, in a minute, I'm going to pray for us. Before I pray, I want you to look at the last blank on your worship handout, in your, in your little green fill-out thing. Choose today whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Be the man. Now, I have a challenge, dads, sons, men, young guys. I don't care how old you are. I have a challenge for you. Today you say, God, I'm going to be the man that you have designed and created me to be. Then I have a challenge for you. I want you to go home as soon as you leave this place. You can do it in the comfort of your own home. I want you to go to your spouse if you don't have one. Go to your girlfriend if you don't have one. Just go to God and say, God, I want to be the man that you have created me to be. I want you to go to your family. I want you to go to your family and I want you to tell them. I want to be who god's created me to be yeah i may have let you down but listen today i want to start new i want to be the man i want to serve god with all of my heart i want to i want to live for him i want to do everything that i can the calling on men in the bible is incredible you are to be superman yeah superman has kryptonite i get it you fall but you're to be a spiritual hero in your house. Long after you're gone, those tracks are still right there because there's people following it that you taught. That's a legacy. That's what God preaches on. That's what God tells us. Be the man. And after you tell your family, I got one more. privately, email, but don't care. I want you to come to me. Not because I'm anybody special. Just let, I'm letting you know it's not going to be public. I want you to come and tell me so I can pray for you. Because I'm a guy too, and I know how hard it is. I want you to come to me. I want you to come to your family. Go to God. God, I want to be the man that you've created me to be. I'm going to pray for us now. You just pray within your own heart, within your own mind. Guys, women, children, just bow your head with me. God, what an unbelievable challenge that we are given. Challenge to be the men of God. The people and the followers of God. That we don't live normal life that we forgive the unforgivable, that we love the unlovable, and we help the hopeless in Your name. And God, I ask today that some of these men, all of these men, all of these people, understand what it means. Understand the relevance of leaving tracks. Understand, God, that You call us to live a life of courage and of strength for You. God, many of us want to start over today. and my tracks haven't been that good in the past. But God, from now on, I want my tracks to be solid and straight and right at you. I want to sing right to you. I don't want to act like you're not in the room. God, I want to sing right to you. I want to live my life right to you. Right at you. So that when one day we are called out of this life, we go out of life accelerating and not putting on the brakes. God, we love you. I ask that you give these guys strength as they tell their families. God, what an honor. What an honor it is to get into your word in front of these people today and talk on this special day about your courageous call for us to be the men and to be the followers of you that you've created us to be. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.